Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I definitely am. It has been an incredible last week of my life. You know when you have these weeks in your life, like you build to them and then you cram so much stuff in. It's like there there are times when you're just in like memory creation mode. (laughs) You're creating memories. I mean, we're creating memories every second of every day, but like bigger memories, like memories that you will remember and they won't just come to you during weird, odd times on the trail, like big memories. So last week was our now annual Skirt Sports Ambassador Retreat. So most of you know, I am the founder of Skirt Sports, amazing women's activewear company, actually, for all you Run This World podcast listeners, use code RTWPODCAST15 for 15% off. So go to skirtsports.com or go to our Boulder flagship store to use that code. Um, But all right, that's your little side. That's my little side advertising. But here's the deal. So over the years, we have built up an ambassador program that has just under a thousand women and they come together once a year, not all of them, but many. I mean, we had over 200 women in Boulder last weekend. That's, that is a substantial group here of women that one of our speakers, Kara Burns, said can only be described as um, a very healthy cult. She said, you know, we all dress the same, we have a leader, and we refer to the Boulder flagship store as the mothership, which is very true and hilarious. So I had this retreat, and it is incredibly emotional. Uh, Not only are women coming together through life Um, priorities in their lives that have brought them here, right? A priority and an emphasis on health and fitness and the emotions that come with finding something you connect with that gives you greater purpose and then meeting other women that feel the same way. So it was like this reunion of people who'd never met before, except virtually. So there's so much power in bringing people together face to face. And um, we did a schedule of events over the last, you know, last weekend, Friday, Saturday, and then they ended with the skirt sports 13 or 5K and 10K in Louisville. We had uh, roughly 500 people come out and do, uh, you know, all the distances. So most people went home then. There were a lot of like sad face posts, right? Because after a retreat, if you listen to my Costa Rica retreat podcast, there is this um, re-entry period that you need to go through. And, uh, you know, everybody had to face that. Like, yeah, you're surrounded by the warm and fuzzy, but you do have a real life. So what can you take from your warm and fuzzy place and bring it back to your real life and know that you've grown and tapped into something so special. 
that's what I mean by making big memories. You know, they change us in some way. So while everyone went home, um, we had a few ambassadors remain, and one of which was today's guest, Samantha Riley, 26-year-old ultra runner. Um, and I claim to be a very positive person. I am. It is my baseline. I am positive. Sam possibly challenges me um, <laughs> for the title of most positive. She's amazing. Um, I met Sam... Uh, I think three or even four years ago, maybe she was like 22. And I met her down in Florida at an event at Fleet Feet Sarasota. Skirt Sports um, sells product to stores around the country. And um, I went down to speak at an event there. And I met this young woman who joined me for a run the next morning with a couple other people. And I swear, she I was having like, it was hard for me to run. Like I'm getting older. Running isn't as easy as it used to be. And I was traveling and my breath was heavy and I'm kind of feeling that travel, you know, weight and not physical weight. Okay. Let me get that straight. Just that like kind of ugh of travel. So I'm waking up and heading out the door and in Florida, you know, it's like 4am instead of 6am here and I'm running along and I was grateful that everyone else wanted to speak. And Sam was literally, I felt like she was like running circles around me, like the Energizer Bunny going, hello, hello, oh, I'm so excited. This is amazing. I love running. I'm so happy to meet you. I've just loved running. Running is so important to me. I became an ultra runner. I want to be an ultra runner. I think I can become a pro ultra runner maybe someday. It's what I want to do. It's what I want to be. I mean, it was literally, that's how I felt. And I thought, this woman has something special. Not only is she packed full of energy and enthusiasm and like a true deep love for something at such a young age, but she just has a vibrancy about her. Um, so I, you know, we invited her. Let's let's bring you to Boulder. Let's put this on camera. She did a photo shoot for us, and while she was here, I just really wanted to get her story into the podcast because while she is young at 26 years old, she's also had a journey, and you can't discount anybody's life experience, even if they haven't had as much life experience yet. Because our experiences at different ages are what shape us for each next minute, hour, year, decade of our lives. Um, today, you're going to hear about some tough stuff she experienced growing up. You're going to hear a lot about her running journey. You're going to hear about her coaching journey. Because at age 26, she also just got her USATF certification, which is really cool. Um, and before I bring her on, I want to read a little post she put on Instagram. Actually, yeah, Instagram. There you go. She's so smart, though. She just like floated straight through to Facebook. Actually, we are engaging Sam to help us um, with a little thing called Snapchat, which I only heard about, but I don't really know what it is yet. So see, there's there's other benefits to being young. <laughs> it's amazing. You seem to know a lot more about things that, uh, that are in the digital age. All right, so here's what Sam, how she summed up her trip. Well, I'm home, 
three days in Orlando for my USATF level one coaching cert, then another three days in Boulder, Colorado for the skirt sports photo shoot and an interview on Nicole DeBoom's Run This World podcast. We're getting there. The trip was beyond what I expected. I played in the mountains, let my soul loose, and spent time walking around downtown just seeing the life around me and meditating on my future. With each step, I inhaled possibilities and exhaled a plan. I was surrounded by people I felt I'd known my whole life after just a few hours of meeting them. I didn't want to come home. Skirt sports was clothing that I love to run and play in and just bought and bragged about. Now my involvement with a company has become a connection with their community. Strong women supporting each other instead of pridefully trying to dominate. The opportunities this sponsorship is bringing me is invaluable and I cannot begin to describe my gratitude. Well, guess what? The reason she's getting extra support from us is not only because she's just plain awesome, but because she is running the Western States 100-mile endurance run in just two weeks. All right, everybody, on that note, let's bring her on. Sam? Riley? (laughs) Whoa. We're just diving right in, aren't we? <laughs> diving in. We went swimming yesterday, so we might as well yeah, dive today. Exactly. <laughs> so let's let's uh let's talk about that. Why the heck are you in town? I was here for a photo shoot. Uh-huh. Exactly. And you were like the life of the party. <laughs> First of all, um, Sam, where are you from? I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Originally from Sarasota, but I live in Tallahassee now. And uh, what I love is I have my version of the story of how we met, but I'd really love to hear yours. I have. That's so funny. I was actually writing. I wanted to like do like a little piece uh, to post on Facebook about why the skirt, because everyone's like, "Oh, why are you? Why are you so into this skirt sports thing?" <laughs> and so like I just want to have like a pamphlet to hand out, basically. <laughs> totally. <laughs> He's like, "This is why the skirt." And you'll just like kind of like fling a URL at them or something that has <laughs> a story much. or a post or whatever. So I actually typed up my entire story on Sunday of how I met you, really, and how I got involved in skirt sports. Have you posted it and I missed it because I don't like I'm not hanging out on the cool channel. I haven't finished editing yet because I um, am a bit of a grammar Nazi and I don't want to post it and someone go, you put the wrong there. <gasps> oh, you didn't oh use a I hate that. I know. <laughs> and sometimes you get autocorrected to the wrong grammar. Doesn't that piss <laughs> you also off? Also autocorrect. Yeah. Oh, that one definitely does. <laughs> so it's all fresh in my head because I was like, brain- like going over it on Sunday. Oh my gosh. Okay. So do tell. All right, so I trained for my first marathons with my Aunt Debbie. She is uh, 52, and she's a judge in Sarasota, criminal court judge. And she was like, hey, like, um, I want you to go to Fleet Feet, Skirt Sports, and uh, a couple other companies are going to be there um, for Women's Day at Fleet Feet. And I was like, all right, whatever. And uh, so I went with her, and... Um, Nicole de Boom, the Nicole de Boom was our speaker, <laughs> and um, I'm sitting there, and you you just started telling your story. You had the slideshow, you had pictures of Wilder, and um, at the time, uh, this was three years ago, so I was 23, and I just ran my first hundred mile race, and I was I had the fire of like, oh my goodness, like I know what I want to do now. I just started going to college, and um, seeing the way things progressed for you in your life was so inspiring for me because I was in such a point of, all right, I'm just moving in a forward direction and 
whatever happens happens and you just had this like ag- aggressive nature about you where you just talked about like you know what i just went for it and and it worked out and i just had to keep going and i just remember like watching and hearing your story like wow like that's that's a woman and I was like, I like, and when you said like, oh, we're gonna go for a run tomorrow. If anyone wants to join, I was like, I am gonna go running with her because, you know, you were a professional athlete, and like, I'm an aspiring professional athlete, and I wanted to pick your brain about your training and any advice, and I was just instantly like, drawn to you. You know, it's awesome because I I remember that story in a similar way, except what I remember is your exuberance <laughs> and like coming you know meeting you and you were like i think i want to be an ultra runner i think i want to be a professional ultra runner like this is what i want to do it's like feeding my soul and and you were in school and so you were doing like really cool things at Mm -hmm. that point that were all sort of inspiring but i got the sense and maybe we can talk about it a little bit more today about what were you in some sort of funk prior to that or what led you to the point where you needed to sort of like crack open here um, so I grew up in a very large family of five kids. I have three brothers, and um, my parents got divorced, like most families, uh, when I was six years old. Is that actually true? Is it like a majority now that mm-hmm. get divorced? Yeah, um, pretty much everyone I know comes from divorced families. Wow. And so how old were you when they were divorced? My parents divorced when I was six, mm-hmm. and then my mother remarried a wonderful man, um, I, we call him Poppy. He's from he's half Venezuelan, half Canadian, and we didn't want to call him Dad. But I was eight when my mom married him, and so we just started calling him Poppy. And unfortunately, they were very, very different people. Even though he's a wonderful man, um, and eventually they kind of fell out of love, and then they divorced when I was fifteen. Okay, so now here you are at formative years uh, tw- with twice divorced mm-hmm. mom. Right. I mean, what did that say to you about like relationships, I guess? Um, honestly, at, at that age, I it didn't really say much out loud. Mm-hmm. That stuff didn't present itself until probably in the last few years. So how old are you now? I am 26. <laughs> and it, what's funny is when we were talking the other day, you're like, wait, how old are you again? And I said 46. And you're like, I'm not going to say it. I'm like, just say it. You could be my mom. <laughs> I would love nothing more than to be your mom. Mm-hmm. It would be amazing. My we would have so wonderful. much fun. <laughs> and as we dive into our story, I do. My mom is going to listen to this. Yeah. And um, I feel a little odd exposing her stories. I expose mine because I know these are personal things for her too. Mm-hmm. I just gotta say I love my mother. She's such a strong and amazing woman in my life. And despite the things that we've gone through as a family, she continues just to be incredible. So, so where did the journey take you when you were 15 and your, you know, your mom and Poppy broke up? So um, shortly thereafter, my um, mom got into a not so good relationship with a man who was who had a lot of problems. He had um, been a veteran and deployed a few times and had serious issues with PTSD, and he had a lot of anger issues. And we can kind of infer from there what was happening in my household. Okay. And after that, i that's when I first experienced the true depression as a teenager and not be, feeling out of control in my life and not really knowing what could happen next or what I could do. And I was on the track and cross country team and it was the only time that 
I could just go and it was just me. I didn't have like a watch. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. So I would just like listen to the radio and time my runs by how long the songs were. <laughs> and how did you listen to the radio? Um, I just had, well, I actually did end up getting an iPod when I was, I think, 15. I saved up Sweet. and got an iPod. They weren't Walkmans? No. Oh, had, you were just barely into the next generation. <laughs> yeah, I had a Walkman when I was like in fifth grade, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I was on cross country. I went to a military academy for high school. Okay, and it was was that your choice? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. My best friend Molly was going, and my best friend Tori was going, and I was like, it was a charter school in Tal or in Sarasota, so you didn't sleep there. It was just like an ROTC okay. school, and Got I was it. like, I want to go. And I joined this athletic team there called Raiders, which is just like a bunch of army stuff, and um, it's basically like tough mutter, but a sport in high school. And I had amazing coaches there that just kind of took me under their wings and saw, um, I guess, something in me and trained me. And uh, I just fell deeper in love with running and exercise. It was just this place where I was happy. I was mean. There was nobody else but, I don't know, the people that were like me and did that all through high school. Do you think part of it was um – that you had some talent, so it built up your confidence? Definitely. Okay. When uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was running a sub 60-second 60, 60 400, and I was going to states, and I was getting faster. And my sophomore year, going into my junior year, I grew two inches and gained 15 pounds. Yeah. So I just grew hips, and yeah. I was never that fast again after Isn't that. that. crazy? Yeah. I know. And... And that is a hard mental place for young, mm -hmm. like girls becoming women mm -hmm. to be. How'd you handle that? Um, I just felt like I had to train harder. And uh, I I had no idea, looking back, after all the stuff I've learned, I'm a coach, and the stuff I've learned as a coach, I'm like, oh my God, if I had known this stuff when I was in high school, I could have avoided so many injuries and setbacks. It's amazing, especially nutrition. That was the biggest thing, was nutrition. Okay, so tell us some of those things that you wish you knew. I wish I knew how important it was to eat whole foods. You know, I love fruits and vegetables. I always loved them, loved them, but I wasn't good. I wasn't a good meat eater, um, which isn't necessarily, you know, we all know a vegetarian or a vegan, but I didn't know how to have an alternative. And so I would just kind of snack. I would eat a lot of um, carbs and I don't know, whatever was in the house. There were five of us with three boys, so you can imagine what the groceries looked like. <laughs> totally. I and, mean, gallons of milk and... Yes. Yeah. And so I just wasn't I wasn't having a full diet, and I was exercising. I was on cross-country raiders. I graduated high school with 12 varsity letters. Oh, boy. So and Overachiever. Was, <laughs> well was it like cross-country, indoor track, outdoor track? We all didn't have years? indoor track. So what was your middle sport? Raiders. What's that? That's the army one oh. that I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, what does that mean? Okay, so. In, I don't know what that is. So in a competition, you do a PT test um, okay. where you do uh, two minute push-ups for two, as many push-ups you can do in two minutes, as many setups as you can do in two minutes. And then we would go and do a two mile run. Then we would go throw on our um, army clothes and uh, we would do a three mile or a three mile obstacle course with a 40 pound backpack. And then and this is when you were like 16? Yes, I did 15 to 18. Wow. Yeah, and my sister does it now. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm so proud of her. <laughs> but uh, Wow, yeah. so that was a high school sport. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you do cross, and then you do the Raiders, and then you would do track season. Yep. All and four years. All four years. 
and it was so much fun. I loved it. I mean, I just love being outside, and we got to go camping at the competitions, and we're on trails. So what made you stay in track when you weren't getting faster? Most kids would drop out. I just didn't want to go home. Uh, Yeah, I mean. Family life wasn't a positive place. My mom was having to, when I was in high school, um, my mom was a single mom with five kids at that point. She was waiting tables and uh, it was just such a sad time and she's just working so hard all the time. And now that like I have my own income, I realize I'm like, how on earth did she do it? Like, I don't, she was just hungry all the time basically for us. Wow. And so it was just um, a sad home a lot and I, didn't I wasn't exactly helpful because I blamed her for a lot of things that now as I've gotten older I like I feel guilty that I blamed her for as much as I did (laughs) have you talked to her about it yeah we we have reckoned well our relationship is very good now because of us both being able to say like what was going on during that time in her life because after I graduated I I was just so mad at her for things that were out of her control and um like what kind of things she fell in love with a bad guy and i've fallen in love with a bad guy now at some point in my life and i left him and my life is so much better because of it so i can't really blame her for it happening to her too i just happened to have to be a part of it with her you know yeah wow okay Mm -hmm. so you didn't want to go home you're feeling the just that negative energy you knew you needed a positive place for mm-hmm. it and you were finding that mm-hmm. yeah did you ever escape to you to other coping mechanisms not really i mean i was a pretty straight edge kid like i didn't really party or smoke or yeah do anything bad i just wanted to run well and, and that running there's like a high that comes with that mm-hmm. or a place you go in your brain so talk a little bit more about that place that you go um for me it's very meditative which is why i keep spraining my ankles (laughs) because i stop looking at the trail i just start thinking about every the it's like where i go through my calendar in my head or i think about what i have to do that day i'll think about like the future and like happy things or i typically will forget people a lot of people say that when they're running they're just like grinding out the things that have irritated them that day and when i'm running i just forget about them and you know, I just get to redline and be out of breath and stop and go, oh my God, I ran too hard. <laughs> and then start running again because it's hot in Florida and sometimes you just have to take breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, actually I have to side note this because sometimes you also have to take breaks to jump over copperheads. Yes. Yes. And alligators and anything else that comes your way running on a hot, muggy, swampy trail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Sam has actually posted some of said snake hoppings, which is really cool. Um, so, okay, let's talk a little bit about what's going on right now, and then we'll come back to some of the, some of the other cool uh, things that got you here. Mm-hmm. So you have a big race coming up. I do. I'm running the Western States 100 mile endurance run in two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks. All right. So we are going to post this podcast prior to you running so everybody can be cheering for you and following you. (laughs) That makes me so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, little nerves is okay. Mm -hmm. You know what? Here's the deal though. It's all about supporting each other, Mm -hmm. right? 
So when you're going out there, um, are you bringing anybody with you? I'm bringing my best friend, Laura Costa, Skirt Sports Ambassador. Yes. She and I started running together about uh, four years ago. I was actually dating her brother, and uh, he didn't run. He didn't exercise. He didn't do anything. And uh, she had just ran her first 50K and was training for a 50-miler while I was training for my first half marathon. I think I was 21, 22. And I was just like, wow, this chick is amazing. Your sister is amazing. Like, I was just like, I just want to be best friends with her. And um, so I, so the, in the end, the boyfriend didn't work out, but the sister did. Yes. Ah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, she and her husband, Mike Costa, who is also coming out to Western States with me. He's going to be my crew chief. Oh, cool. Um, he, they both, and um, our friend Christian Lemon trained me to my first full marathon. So let's see, it was 2012, February, I ran my first half marathon. Um, November 2012, I ran my first full marathon. And then five months after that, I ran my first 50 miler. Wow, so it's been like a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Western States, for those of you who don't know, is a 100 mile endurance race. We have had on the show a long time ago, one of the very the very last finisher one year who got in about 12 seconds under I the gun. I loved her podcast. <laughs> Gunhild Svensson. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Older woman. One of the oldest. Oh, she might have been the oldest woman to finish. Right now, she's the old. I do believe she has the record. She is, yeah, she has the record. Yeah. So there are things that getting older it makes it a very positive thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little more about this journey of like, you finish high school. Mm-hmm. We skipped over the college years so because what happened there? There's something here that happened during this like <laughs> four or five year period. So I was not a good student. I've never been a good student. I was diagnosed ADHD when I was five and I was on Ritalin for 15 years. Wow. And I was still not a good student. I mean, do you, is that like how they still treat ADHD? Is Ritalin the thing? Um, I think now they do Concerta, which is a non-stimulant. Okay. Um, I don't know medication. anything about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my high schoolers. Um, I coach at a high school as well as a college, and there are a lot of that are on medications. And can you tell when a kid has ADHD or? Oh some my kind God! Of, yes. Yeah, you can <laughs> immediately. Immediately, wow. we have radars for each other. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I mean, I do remember when I used to be a swim coach that there were like a couple kids that I had to spend most of my energy on, mm-hmm. and it was just to corral them back to what we were doing. Yes, that was me. That, that was that good. <laughs> that was you. So maybe that's what we were experiencing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So many things are making sense now, oh aren't they? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I see it. Um, well, and I think it's really interesting too that you said you had it. Now, did it go away? No. Oh, you still have definitely <laughs> not. I actually, when I um, went, all right. So I guess I will just say I um, had applied to Flagler College in okay. Florida. Um, I got accepted and with a deferred, but I had to be deferred of semester because of my ACT scores and SAT scores. Okay. And I didn't want to live at home anymore, so I um, jumped out of Sarasota and moved to Tallahassee. The in 2010 um, to live with my dad, who I had actually never lived with before. Okay. Um, other than when he was married to my mom when I was before the age of six. So um, I just, my, I have my brother lived up there with his wife and at the time one daughter, now there's two daughters. 
and decided to start school at TCC. And I got really, really plugged into the church community there. Like Tallahassee Community College? Is that mm-hmm. TCC? Okay. Yeah. Um, I got really plugged into the church community there. I started doing counseling with huh. a Bible study, my Bible study leader there, Karen. Were you like qualified for that? No, I was being counseled. Oh, I thought you were no. doing. I'm like, wait, you became a counselor? How did this happen? No. Got it. She so worked with me the first for time. Months. First time you had professional therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. what were your issues? What were you dealing with? Um just how to have a good relationship with my family. I I was so angry at everybody and disappointed. How did that come out? I mean, I only imagine you with the same personality you have now. Like, how did that manifest itself? What are your out? What were your outlets for that anger? Um, just running. I mean, did you used to get in like big fights with your family and yell and? No, I would just get really pouty and go in my room. <laughs> wow, so you were someone who just held stuff in, mm-hmm. and running was your true escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always has been. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so are you, do you have a good network? Like you mentioned your brother and you had a big, huge smile and like his wife and kids. Are you close with your siblings? I am. We are all really close. All five of us are awesome people. There are no drug addicts. There are no alcoholics. Like everybody is just in a good place in their lives. And my little brother, um, he's definitely my best friend. He uh, lives with me uh, in Tallahassee, and he is 22 years old. And he's so. supposed to be taking care of your dog. So make sure you walk the dog, <laughs> brother. Um, so that anger was mostly directed towards your parents. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it is hard as you get older and you look back and you gain maturity. And you mentioned earlier, you realize maybe some of that was unfair. It was. It and was definitely unfair. So is this something, like, did counseling help you come to that realization? 100%. I'm going through that whole process of having somebody listen and and have it. I was afraid to talk about what was going on in my house because I was afraid that I would break up my family. And um, You were taking, like, personal responsibility for breaking up your family. Well, because I did say the wrong things to the wrong people at some point, and DCF got called multiple times because of me. Oh, I see. Because of me, and um, I don't know that that situation. Those situations work themselves out in the end, but it wasn't necessarily guilt. But it was like because I was an angry teenager, I wasn't talking about things the right way, and so then teachers and stuff would get concerned because I would just it would come out of me at the wrong times, and yeah, yeah. Oh, I can totally see that, and I mean that's a big fear for parents too because you. We're just, a lot of people are on eggshells all the time. Mm -hmm. One wrong word can trigger something where they think a criminal act has occurred. And sometimes it has. Yeah. But then most of the time, maybe it hasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. I was talking to, I actually interviewed a sex therapist a while ago. We were Mm -hmm. talking about like safety and children. And she said, you know, there was a little girl who said, my dad put his pee-pee in my pee-pee. What? But what she meant was she had peed in the toilet, and then her dad, they don't flush, you don't always flush oh, pee no. down, and then her dad peed. Because, like, you're trying to conserve water, right? So that kind of stuff, you have to report that mm-hmm. stuff. That's scary stuff, Yeah. right? Um, wow, so I can understand, though, you taking on that, like level of responsibility or mm-hmm. self, you know, blame for mm-hmm. those situations. Yeah. 
And when you say they resolve themselves, like what happened? Um, my mom just, I don't know, came out of her funk. She was really depressed. And uh, I had this, I had it in my head that she wasn't allowed to be because she's a mom. And that's the thing that like I'm recognizing now that I've gotten, you know, to be 26 is like, I know like moms burn out the same way athletes burn out, but they're told that you're just a mom and suck it up. And it's wrong. Like it postpartum depression is becoming, you know, more recognized, but beyond partum needs to be recognized too, because y'all get burned out. <laughs> Absolutely. I and, mean, depression in general is a big thing. And you mentioned earlier that there was a time in your life when you experienced your first bout of mm -hmm. real depression. Yeah, it was definitely after my mom and my stepdad got divorced. I We had had such a, a great life as a family. Um, I, I, we would go to Disney World. My mom was a stay-at-home mom during those years. My sister was born and I had a little baby sister because of him. Like, it was just such a great time in our life, everything was just uh, in a flow and uh after that everything changed so quickly there was no longer this great dad living in my house with me and my mom was was having to work all the time she was she was waiting tables to support five kids and I, you know there just wasn't a and then she would do the best she could afterwards and like try and like okay yeah let's go to the park like let's still try to do some of the things that we used to do and it just it was too much it was too much and i emotionally i just broke down and i tried to cope with it by like controlling my diet and like calorie counting and like trying to become a skinnier athlete and like dabbled in that area like i think every teenage girl does which is one of the reasons why i'm like so adamant of wa about watching my runners and listening to them and making sure like they're not weighing themselves i don't own a scale now i refuse to ever own a scale again what got you, uh, like, how bad did that get? It didn't get bad, luckily. I mean, it, I never, like, got, like, super, super skinny or anything like that, but it wasn't a healthy frame of mind, and mm -hmm. it never really does go away as a woman. I don't, th I really don't think it does. I think we always kind of have go through little phases in life where, like, our body changes, and we just are like, I, I have to fix this. I have to control yeah. this. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And I, sometimes I'll look back on my life in decades. Mm -hmm. You know, so your teens is when your body's forming. Mm -hmm. And then your 20s, you're kind of like figuring out where it's going to land. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people have this sort of like 15, freshman 15 type of situation that now is carrying into adulthood. Yeah. Right? Whether they went to college or not, like your party years, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe in your 30s, a lot of people have kids. And your body's just sort of doing like crazy stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly you're in your 40s and like you can rock your 40s. But then menopause starts to hit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it never ends. Yeah. Your body, like I think one of the hard things for women is that we often have a time in our life that we say, this is when my I loved my body the most, mm -hmm. right? And then you constantly say, I want to get back to that. It's such a horrible cycle. No, it is. Such a and, horrible cycle. And so you're holding yourself to some kind of standard that, A, there is no going back to anything ever. Mm -hmm. So sure, you can have goals and whatnot, and whatever you decide is the right healthy way for you to get to a goal. But um, going back to a body that looked a certain way, mm -hmm is a very, uh, I think, 
demoralizing mm-hmm. way to move because like I said, there is no back. And as soon as you get to wherever it is you think you need to be, mm-hmm. then you either tip the scale one way or the other and it starts all over again. And looking back, I think during that time, it was, yes, like uh, self-esteem and body image has something to do with it. But I think it was more so just trying to have some control over my life and and be able to change something yeah. on my own. Because you're, when you're 15, 16 years old, you don't have very much control. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Did you ever get in big trouble? No, no I was a good kid. <laughs> I never did anything bad. Yeah, you were kind of hiding. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's what I'm hearing is like, I went to my room. I held it in. Mm-hmm. I went for a run. I released it. Maybe didn't deal with it, but like released it out there and let my mind be in a happy place. Yeah. And you tried controlling things that are hidden. Mm-hmm. So you were a keep it inner. Mm-hmm. Let's call you a keep it inner. <laughs> but now you're a let it outer. Yeah. So what happened? How did you reach this point? You're so young still, yet you have uh, had some serious epiphanies, it seems, on how to live a, a happier life. Yeah. And those things happened, honestly, um, after becoming a trail runner. It sounds crazy, but you meet the right people who are just, who have already done it. And you see where they're at now, and it, you're like, wow, if they did it, I can do. And um, so after I moved to Tallahassee the first time, I didn't do well in my classes. I was just barely passing because I, first of all, I never learned how to study properly. No one, we in my family, like nobody went to college um, until, I don't know, we all tried the community college thing, and it just was so hard. I wasn't good. I didn't know how to take notes. I didn't know how to write, I knew how to write papers, but it just wasn't easy and I wasn't into it. I wanted to do everything else, but, and that continued on for years. So I actually started dating a guy who was still in Sarasota and um, decided to move back after a year and a half and live with him. Well, I got my own place first, but we eventually moved in together. And that ended up be the girl I just told you about, that was her brother. And he and I stayed together for six years and ended up getting engaged. And during that time, I, it's when I started ultra running and when I kind of realized that this wasn't the relationship I wanted to be in. He um, didn't didn't support my sport. He was very jealous of me going out and going for runs or going to the gym. He just wanted to lay around, lay in the house and sit on the couch. And it just, I was so unhappy. And I knew, I was like, I gotta get out. I knew in my gut, every part of me, I was like, I have to get out. And um, I did, and then I broke up with him, and in a day and a half, I had to move everything I owned to my mom's garage and live with my mom for three months. And this is two and a half years ago. And were you and your mom on good terms by then? Um, For the most part, but okay. I will say, moving in with her for those three months, and that was like the second time I ever experienced true depression because my whole life changed all over again, and I wasn't sure what was gonna happen. Um, My mom was just so there for me. like. She would hold my hand. She would watch TV shows with me. She would sit there and say, it's okay that it hurts. And I don't know, that during, I really do give credit to that time for us being so close again now. Wow, I wonder if she learned some things through her potential depression you had mentioned Mm -hmm. and how to pay it forward. Maybe. All I know is like during that time, like I was, I didn't really trust her um, to help me 
I not on purpose. I didn't say like I don't trust you, but it was just like hard for me to be like, uh, okay, I guess you're right. You know, like hard for me to believe like oh, mom's right. Like see what she's yeah. saying is good advice. I had to accept the good advice from my mom, and it hurt my pride. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? so interesting. And eventually, I did, and I was like, wow, like she's she's good. Like my mom is really good to talk to. She mm-hmm. li- she listens. She is very intuitive. Uh, it's like it's her best thing. Is just knowing what to say and being really listening. Is that something that you have inherited? I think so. Well, maybe, um, you know, you've, I think about you, we us talking a lot about you saying the things that you're not good at, but then every time you talk about running, you light up Mm -hmm. in a different way. But yet I think you've found some other things that you're really good at that maybe don't require a college degree or whatever it is, yeah. right? What are those things? Um, I just like working hard, like being into something and being really good at it. Or if I see, if I'm learning something, I do want to be the best at it. It just never happened academically. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the hard thing. I think a lot of people listening are like, we're so defined by our degrees, mm-hmm. right? Which I did end up um, after, uh, I lived with my mom for three months and then moved back to Tallahassee two years ago. And um, I started talking to this very, very handsome guy who I still have in my life now. And uh, yeah, after moving to Tallahassee, everything just kind of turned around for me. Um, I got recruited to run cross country when I was finishing my AA at at Tallahassee Community College. And I got recruited on accident. I was going to like a track club workout. Mm-hmm. And the coach there was like, hey, is anyone here going to TCC? And we're starting a cross country team. And my friend Danielle was like, Sam is, Sam is. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm an ultra runner. I don't run five, I don't sprint. Like, I can't do that. And he's like, doesn't matter. He's like, we're just building a team. I was like, but I'm like 24, 25, or I'm like 25 years old. He's like, doesn't, do you have eligibility? I, I guess, he's like, you're good. And I, I got to run <laughs> so cool. a college cross country as a like twenty five year old woman. Oh, that has, is so fun! I went from running ultras to um, running five k's, and then it was so great. It was so great to be a part of a team. And yeah. in that semester, I finished my AA finally after a million years. I had, um, I was the best on the team. And I PR'd my 5K by like five minutes by the end of the season. (laughs) It was so much fun. So much fun. Well, and one thing that I see or hear from you often is you talk a lot about the girls coach. Mm -hmm. And tell me how coaching came into your life then. So after I finished my AA, I did not get into Florida State. Um, They say like with an AA, you're supposed to be able to get into any university. What is an AA? Uh, uh, Associate's degree. So I was thinking like Alcoholics Anonymous or something. (laughs) Okay, so associate's degree is a two-year degree, right? Yes. Yes. Well, in my case, like seven. Okay, but that's okay. (laughs) No judging. Um, So I... Yeah, so you were trying to get into Tallahassee, and they said no. Yeah, I was trying to get into Florida State, and I couldn't get into my program. Mm -hmm. After that, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, I I had no idea what I was going to do after that. I, like, I guess I'll just start working full-time bartending. And uh, after that, um, the head coach for Tallahassee Community College is also the head coach for McClay Preparatory School, which is a K-12 private school. And he was like, hey, he's like, why don't you come and be one of the assistant coaches at McClay? 
I was like, okay, cool. And so I started coaching with for the whole track season after I had graduated with my associates. And then in the summer, they started recruiting for the college cross country. And so I was just like, hey, like I want to help out with the college cross country team too. He's like, all right, you're hired. <laughs> and I became the assistant cross country coach at Tallahassee Community College. <laughs> wow. So how does how did that like? change your journey uh i realized like i could still go somewhere because after i didn't get into florida state i was like i don't want to move i don't want to leave tallahassee at this point i'm living up here i have my my dog and my cat and i just didn't want to leave at that point and um i finally had a purpose again where there was something i was like this might be worth pursuing where i started to feel the spark where I'm like, okay, yeah, like this, I'm ultra running. I'm, this is, this is what's next. So you talk about the spark. What is that? It's just where I show up to practice and I'm running with the girls and they're asking me questions and they're listening and wanting to know. And I get home and I go, wow, that was fulfilling. And you know, it's interesting. I've always felt like coaching is this selfish selfless profession definitely because we get so much like our egos stroked and we <laughs> feel so awesome because we're like she ran fast and i was a part of that mm -hmm. right so you think of your coaches and maybe your teachers as selfless but they are getting something amazing out mm -hmm. of it right yeah, yeah. So do you have any coaches that you remember that helped you in that way? Yes, Sergeant Mayor Collis um, at the Military Academy. And I just saw him two weeks ago when I went to um, see my sister do some of the, do a competition where, uh, the, at the school I used to do it at. And he was just always like, oh, there goes Sam, my fastest, my fastest girl. And he was just oh. always encouraged, always just bragging about me. Anytime we went anywhere, he was like, this is Sam Riley. This is my, this is my best athlete. This is our, our best raider. You can hear like he's got a gruffly voice, mm -hmm. right? By the way I imitate him. <laughs> and he's just always listening. He was so great. And then the coach that I work for now, same thing where he was just so matter of fact about the training. And he kept saying, he's like, Sam, we're going to get you under 20 minutes. I'm like, no, you're not. You're absolutely not going to get me under 20 minutes for a 5K. And it was just so matter of fact and so like attentive. Mm. And it was nice to have somebody be watching my training and, and telling me where to fix it and it working. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to, I want to help see result, help somebody see results. It's so much fun. It is so much fun. But you know what I'm hearing is that those coaches you mentioned believed in you, mm -hmm. and whether or not it was a pack of lies, like you're my fastest, you're whatever, <laughs> you will do this. Like, it didn't matter because mentally it had the impact it needed to have. Yeah. For sure. So if with your coaching style then, and maybe the mentors you've had, like, are you a mental coach or are you a physical coach or do you combine them? Um, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. And it depends on the age. I'm coaching middle school through college. And um, the, you have to be very different with the girls uh, through those ages. And... Um, working under this coach I'm learning that like he's taught me he's like hey with the middle schoolers don't wear them out 
let them goof off let them run with each other even if one's faster than the other they're in middle school you don't want them to hate the sport by the time they get the ninth grade i'm like okay he's like if they they want to be faster we'll help them be faster but we want them to have fun and i'm like all right and then we get into high school and you can see when they start to get more aggressive about like oh my god if i do this i'll get faster right but the college level that's where i've noticed me personally that's where i can make an impact is they're moving up to a new city. They they're first time away from their parents. They don't have they okay. When I ran cross country, I was six years older than all the other girls on the team, and so they nicknamed me Mama Sam. And they would all always ask me for advice. They would ask me about my races, and they were scared to talk about certain things in front of me because they thought I was so much older. And that was the first time I ever felt old. When you were <laughs> running with them, like your yes, peers? Oh, yes, but they so were funny. younger They peers. were 18, I, I was 25, yeah, 26. Yeah, totally, oh my gosh. Yeah, and now oh. this last year, um, I was introduced as a coach and they, the girls would just come up to me and ask questions and and tell me that they're frustrated about something they could vent to me and i'm a girl so they're comfortable doing it and i was like wow like i they trust me this is really cool yeah so that's where i am more of an emotional coach yeah is in the college level yeah and recognizing and reading what other people need Mm -hmm. instead of just throwing the same strategy down to everybody yes definitely it's huge yeah um well at this stage and age then stage of life you know along your journey here how do you define yourself oh i'm i'm in limbo still i feel like things are on fire right now in my life and it is so much fun i'm on that high where like things just keep working out and coming my way opportunities to be successful and see the future that is where i'm finally at and i got stuck for like two years in this well maybe this could work maybe that could work but now i'm actually seeing like it's working it's actually working like i just gotta stick it out it's like a race yes like a race everything's a running metaphor you just gotta stick it out like um were you trying to force things before and now you're yes so now what's different I started listening to myself. I stopped listening to every single person. Everybody had an opinion. You have to get a degree. You have to You have to do this. You have to have, um, if you won't be successful without dot, dot, dot. And I stopped listening to them. And I started going, I know what I'm good at. I, I need to stick to what I'm good at and, and what I love. And it will manifest itself later on. And it is, it actually is. And it's, you know, I truly believe God will provide and you just, you keep going. Wow. That is a really good point about trusting your gut, basically mm-hmm. trusting yourself, trusting mm-hmm. your own thoughts, not yeah. trying to grab onto what other people are telling you is the right thing for you because they're not you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's really hard to do when you're young. Yeah. And I'm finally at that age where I can like bounce back and be like, no, I don't. I don't have to do that, Eric, because I'm not in my early 20s anymore. I'm closer to 30 than 20, which is terrifying. But I, I can actually say with my head up high, like this is this is my what I'm gonna do, and I, this is gonna work, and this is why. And they're like, okay. 
So the difference between that and my daughter who's six is she just says, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do. There is no reasoning behind it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so you have to go through enough life experiences to learn to trust yourself. And you you started out this answer by saying, I'm in limbo. Mm -hmm. But you said it in a way that wasn't fraught with, like, fear. It was Mm -hmm. acceptance. I'm on, like, the bridge. I really feel like I'm just, like, I'm currently on the bridge to the other side. Like things are still still need to play out, but like life is just good. You know, there's so much insight that go like that you have to even know that you're on the bridge, <laughs> yeah. which is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, if you could speak to that younger self who was so angry, what would you tell her? It's gonna be okay, girl. Like you don't have to be. Don't worry. I don't know. I wish I could just go up and just like shake her and say, it's okay. It's going to work out. Like, it's not always going to feel this way. Do you think it would have helped you to hear that? I think I did hear it from some people, but at that point, there were just so many other things that were bigger Mm -hmm. that I had just had to go through it. Yeah. And it's not even as bad as like some other things people have experienced, but it was my story. Um, I don't like, I don't think it defines me. I think it's just there. I think um, I've always been like the happy, crazy, loud, fun fan, whatever, but I just was dealing with those things, like you said, in silence. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes the crazy, fun, loud person is a little bit of a mask. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know, with you, I mean, it seems like it's who you really are too. Well, now it is. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, faked it it till you made it. (laughs) Yeah, I really am happy now though. I mean, I just so many things are going for me. It worked out. Like I you just kept persisting. I stuck like my thing yeah. is like you just gotta stick to something and see it through. I've always believed that. Just see it through. Okay, well we've got Western States one hundred coming up. Yes. You mentioned earlier that you feel like you didn't train for it properly. Yes. Do, what does that mean for your race? So I had knee surgery a little over a year ago after tearing my meniscus during the Rocky Raccoon 100 mile where I had to walk the last 40 miles in agony. It was awful. And um, I had surgery two weeks after that. And so my training cycle has been an absolute nightmare from the start. I mean, I got accepted into Western States December 11th. I started training trying to do the slow build of mileage immediately every single time i would try to get above 30 40 miles a week boom i would either get sick i got bronchitis for six weeks it went away for two and a half weeks and then i got it again for another six weeks and training for anything with bronchitis is the most awful feeling in the world especially Mm -hmm. during allergy season yeah and i kept i sprained my ankle in february and i had to cross train on the bike wasn't able to hit mileage then i healed that i did a 50k in uh, march and then i pr'd my 50 mile at the beginning of april so then i was like oh man like this is gonna work out but during the race i'm sitting there and i'm like so mad that it hurt i was running the 50 mile and i was like expecting it to be easier for some reason because i'd done plenty before but it just, it was hurt. It was a miserable race for me. And then I finished it and I PR'd and I still wasn't happy. 
Oh boy. And I'm like, come on. Like that's when I knew I was like, oh, I'm not in a good training mental place right now. So how do you approach a hundred mile race after knowing that like somehow PRing a 50 mile should have been fulfilling at some level? Mm -hmm. Um, I've had to take a lot of time off and do a lot of cross training. Uh, honestly, Western States is going to be really, really hard. And it, I have an amazing crew. Um, my friend Andy Barrett is running the first 50 with me because he got in and he had uh, ruptured his Achilles in August mm -hmm. and had surgery. So <laughs> we'll be running the first half together. Uh, but I just know I can finish. Like that's what, I, that's what happened at Rocky. Like I had a, my knee, I was in so much pain and I was like, I have to finish this race. I'm so like, I don't want, no, there's no option. People are flying out for me. Everyone knows I'm doing it. It might take me 20, 29 hours, but I'm going to finish yeah. that race. And that's okay with me. And like you said, things are working out. Yeah. And when you open your mind to know that things will work out, they do. And they do. They have. It may not be everything at once, but you just like yeah. eat, the, eat the little things, the little things that work out. Like write them down. Remember, this worked out, so something else might. Yeah, <laughs> write them down. Well, on that note, we are winding down. Mm -hmm. So we're going to roll into the question that I ask everyone who comes on the <laughs> show, which is if you could run, if you could give our listeners one final piece of advice to run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? I would say the kindness always wins. No matter how much that jerk at work is frustrating you, how much someone has stabbed you in the back, you know what? You can be angry, but just be kind, and eventually it all works out. Awesome, wise words. <laughs> Sam, you're amazing. Cannot wait f to root you on to a Western States finish. Mm. Woo! Yay. All right, everyone, I'm back. Oh, don't you just love Sam's amazing outlook and excitement and enthusiasm? And even the way she shares and expresses things that are tough for her, like there's something um, wise about Samantha Riley. I mean, it's just no other way to put it. Um, one of, you know, I was thinking about how to end this one and I really, I really just feel like I want to repeat her final nugget, which is that kindness always wins because it's true. Whenever you're wondering which way to go, stop wondering, choose kindness. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening today. As always, if you love the podcast, please head over to iTunes and write a review. It's kind of confusing. You have to like search the podcast, even if it's already in your library. And then when you click on it, you'll see ratings and reviews and you can go out down there and write one. It's pretty easy once you're there. Um, I'd love to get those reviews up because it actually helps with our rankings on, on iTunes and that's the biggest channel right now. If you have any suggestions for guests or any suggestions for me or comments on how I can make this thing better, you let me know. We have an incredible lineup of guests coming in the future and, uh, and you know why? Because there is no lack of amazing people in this world. All right. All right, then. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. I hope you have a great workout, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>